Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Nick. And I'm Shannon. And we are your co-hosts. And today, I'm here in my misty forest, for all of you guys on the Patreon, talking about Merlin. Woo! I'm so excited. And Nick and I were talking before, I think this is just going to be like Merlin part one, because there is so much Merlin to cover but oh, we love uh, him absolutely and i do talk about this a little bit in this segment but it's like we are both just huge big old fantasy nerds so oh yeah 100 percent. well on that note i mean i'm talking about a magical and like hella medicinal friend that i use on the reg mullet love it mullen merlin i know i'm, I'm sensing a grammatical theme today. Alliteration. <laughs> but before we get into all of that juicy goodness, when did you feel the magic this week? All right. So I saved this. I haven't talked to Nick about it because I wanted to save it for the podcast. Y'all are welcome. Breaking news. So I have been doing a lot of like prosperity work, calling on my ancestors because money is tight. Uh, Inflation is real and I live in Los Angeles. (laughs) Like shit is rough. And I had just kind of gotten a little disheartened because I felt like nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. I haven't really been doing my magical work on it the past like couple of weeks just because like work has been crazy. I've got a lot of personal family stuff happening. But then suddenly it seems like it might have paid off because Thursday afternoon, I got an email from a woman who's like the head of development at this place that I had interviewed for in November of last year, and it wasn't a good fit. So I had like pulled out of the interview process and she literally emailed me Thursday afternoon. I had a call interview with her on Friday and I'm going in tomorrow, which is Monday for an in-person interview because I've already been through so much of the process. But they literally like cut off the entire part of the job that I didn't want to do that was like too much. I was like, this is too much for one person. And so they cut the duties in half, which is exactly what I felt like they should have done. And the salary range is like, if I got the very bottom of the salary range, it's still $11,000 more than I'm making. Oh, that's incredible. And it like has just happened so fast, like literally from Thursday afternoon to Monday is my in-person interview and she was like well if you were to get the job would you be able to just give two weeks like we're trying to really fill this and I was like okay like damn so it's like one of those things guys where sometimes magic takes a minute uh but it's hard not to feel like the magic had a lot to do with it because this has been insanely fast like crazy fast because the person they ended up hiring into it was there for five months and then had like a personal family thing and had to step down which is why suddenly this job is available and they've adjusted it to exactly what I wanted and it's going to pay significantly more than what I make now I yeah yeah that seems to have worked just fine yeah just, I'm like you just got hey, you, magic. Just had to, you just had to be patient which rude All the Leo in me is just like, um, no, I would like everything beautiful immediately. It's like, I want everything and I want it now. JG Wentworth. Exactly. But yeah, so that was my like, fuck yeah, I have a powerful magician moment this week. It was good. Good. 
That's amazing. So mine is, I feel like the theme with mine is always something nature related, but this, you know, and it's always like these weird little moments that seem very significant to me, but like in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's just a little moment. But I had this moment. Now, it has been so hot here in Texas. It has literally been 100 degrees for I don't even know how many days. Because I am, do you remember those like Capri Sun commercials where they would like turn into like a silver liquid? Yeah, I feel like Austin right now is giving like summer 2010. When oh, it's, yeah. like, oh, by yeah. the end of the summer, the pools were warm. It feels like that's what y'all are dealing with. It's very much soup pool time. But, um, so I was, you know, I was out on the patio. I have this huge wasp nest on my patio. And, like, typically I'm not a big fan of wasps, but I I like to just leave stuff be unless it's, like, really, 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 like, in my way for some reason. Um, You know, like, throwback to that huge garden spider I had above my door. Yeah. Which, yeah. You saw, which you saw. Yeah. Ma- majestic is the word for her. She was majestic. R.I.P. to a real one. Um, but so we have this huge wasp nest. And I, was, I just found myself watching it. And they were doing this thing where they all were like beating their wings over the, the little eggies. Yeah. And I, it, you know, I mean... I, I think you kind of know what's going on with um, the stuff in my personal life right now. And it was just this really weird, like, warm maternal kind of moment. But it's like this stinging insect. And I was just like, I was actually just like so touched by it for some reason. I because love they, that. Because they were just like trying to keep the little eggies cool. And, yeah. you know, they're just like buzzing their wings. And it's like okay, you're, like, an insect, supposedly this, like, cold, unfeeling thing, but, you know, you're showing this, like, nurturing, like, energy. I don't know. I was into it. It was a vibe. It was a mood. Um, Maybe wasps aren't so bad. They're not. They serve an important part of the ecosystem, so we're, like, very team leave shit the fuck alone unless it's, like, actively harming you or your loved ones, including your fur babies. Um, But no, I love that. It does sound like really beautiful in this way that it's like watching a predator be affectionate is like magical. And it was. And like, I just really, like, I wish I could just share the way I saw it because I really was very moved by this this little tableau, this little moment of like the wasps cooling off the eggs. Oh, I mean, but that's like what magic is, right? It's like just us making meaning out of everything because humans are storytellers and I love that. Well, let's get into it because Mullen is a fun one and I'm excited to talk about it because I think I've mentioned it before, guys, I'm an asthmatic living in Los Angeles, which means that like Mullen is one that I use on the reg because it is a super, super bomb lung tonic. But it also has like some really great common names. And I'm just like really digging, like sharing weird common names with you guys. So of course, Velvet Doc, Our Lady's Flannel, Clown's Lungwort, Beggar's Blanket, Fluffweed, Hair's Beard. You guys get the picture. Uh, It's a bit fuzzy. 
Like, but it's I, in. I love Our Lady's flannel. Oh yeah, Our Lady's flannel sounds like a Mumford and Sons album name. <laughs> it does. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, what is it? What is it? Clap clap woo music. Yeah, exactly. This is some clap clap woo. Um, so it's in the Scrofulariaceae family. That's a long one. And the Latin name is Verbascum thapsis. So it's native initially to like Central and Southern Europe, as well as like Western Asia, but it's super widespread now. Like it is all over the place. Up top though, I gotta say, the fuzzy little hairs can be irritating to some people. So if that's you, just like be aware of it strain your teas really well like if you're gonna make smudge bundles out of them like smoke cleansing wands wrap them in twine or something at the end because it can be really itchy for some folks but let's talk about this plant it's a super tall biennial literally when i say super tall i'm talking like six to eight feet tall a tall drink of water and the leaves are 12 inches long and fuzzy so the first year, it'll be like this cute little rosette that sticks close to the ground. But then in year two, she gets her growth spurt and she like shoots up her flower spike with alternate leaves and five petaled flowers, usually yellow. But one of my favorite plant genres are pioneer plants. And mullein is a pioneer plant. And so those are plants that are one of like the first ones that you start to see growing in earth that's been damaged. So trees that like, come up immediately after forest fires, plants that come up when the land has been ravaged, whether it's by natural disaster or like man-made bullshittery. And you see a lot of mullein popping up along like roadsides, embankments, things like that. Again, remember if you're foraging and you wanna eat it 50 feet away from roads because oil and gasoline are not fun. Um, but in the Middle Ages, Culpepper used to describe it, uh, he described it as being used for things like cramps and coughs, as well as smooth warts and gout. But just smooth warts, not rough oh, warts. Of course, of course. A very important distinction. But the best news is it's like super easy to grow, guys. Like pioneer plants in general tend to be super like tough and hardy. But you can buy seeds, like sprinkle them around your garden to introduce it to your area or even if you see them like next to a roadside and you're like, mm, that's a little too close for me to use, you can always get like a dried seed head and take it home with you and scatter it around your place. I'm I'm really like not gonna talk a lot about how to grow it because a lot of folks consider it a weed. And honestly, the bigger challenge with it once you get introduced, once it's like introduced to your area is keeping it where you want it because it's gonna just wander. So, you know, grow it have fun be careful where you put it if you want to like have any sort of order in your garden but i'm a big fan of the chaos garden like the meadow style vibe do be aware because it gets so tall that it can shade out shorter plants so that's something to keep in mind but really like i'm not going to tell you how to grow dandelions i'm not going to really go into telling you how to grow mullein it's fine so let's talk about the medicinal uses guys Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. I'm not a doctor. Nick's not a doctor. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to diagnose or treat anything. Always talk to your healthcare professionals before you start on any sort of herbal regimen. Onward. 
So mullein is super rich in mucilage and saponins. It's an expectorant, it's anti-inflammatory, and it's antispasmodic. All of that great for lung issues. So it's well indicated for dry coughs and non-productive coughs that are associated with wheezing, hay asthma. It's also really good for like bronchitis though, or if you have any sort of cough that's not productive that you need to get out, right? Like, you know, in those early phases of a chest cold when you're like coughing, but nothing's coming up, but you know you need to get the shit out, mullen. So also some American Indians would actually smoke it to help cleanse the lungs and folks still do that. So if you're someone who smokes cannabis, mullen is a really great additive to joints because it can help sort of offset some of that like lung stinging congestion, like almost bronchitis like symptoms you can get when you smoke too much weed. Mullen's great for that. I mean, as a side note, I also like to use calendula and yerba santa as joint additives. They really, I think, give it some body and a different flavor. Of course, be careful smoking things, whatever, yada, 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 cancer. Yeah, I, I, I would also just say like a fun rule that I've always used is if you're going to smoke something, it should be something that you would eat. So for yeah. instance, so for instance, if you were going to put rose petals in a joint, which is also very nice. Oh, yeah. Just got to say. Food um, grade. Food grade, not potpourri. Okay? Yeah, Great. exactly. Same thing with mullen. And that's why it's like if you're foraging, I wouldn't smoke mullen that you forage right next to a road either because, um, again, gasoline. The other thing, though, that you can think about as far as like with lung irritants is if you've been inhaling shit, you shouldn't. So like... For example, if like me, you painted a kitchen wall and realized that there wasn't really enough ventilation and you're feeling congested afterwards, who hasn't accidentally inhaled a bunch of paint fumes in the year of our Lord 2022? Mullen. She's a great additive there too. It's also really good for your ears though. So if you get earaches, um, there's like the big three of nerdy illnesses, which is allergies, asthma, and eczema. Most people that have one have some level of all three. Mullen's kind of good for a lot of them. So you'll typically see people for earache stuff though, suggesting an oil infusion. And they did this really cool double blind trial in 2003, where they compared an olive oil-based herbal eardrop. So that had mullen, calendula, St. John's wort, lavender, oats, and vitamin E. And they compared that with the use of anesthetic eardrops with or without an antibiotic. And so they were assessing 171 kids over a three-day period. And all of them showed improvement, which is great. You know, kids do eventually get over earaches for the most part. Um, but the herbal eardrop kids without the antibiotics had a better response. And since we know that antibiotics wreak havoc on our bodies, and they also like create bacteria and stuff that is uh, antibiotic resistant and really hard to treat, hello MRSA, it really showed them that like the best way to treat earaches, especially in kids, is to focus on pain alleviation and anti-inflammatory stuff. And so one of the cool things here is a lot of the herbs are like anti-inflammatory, but also immunostimulating. So kind of helping your body fight it on its own. So the combo there is like clutch. So again, olive oil infusions of things like mullen can be really helpful for earaches. And then finally, mullen, that like mucilaginous moisturizing quality of it 
it's also really good for muscular uh, musculoskeletal pains. So Julie Burton Seal is a great herbalist, and she suggests placing a leaf in your shoe to relieve sore feet. Hi, people like Nick who work in food service. Put some mullen leaves in your shoes when you're on your feet all day. I'm I'm literally rubbing my planter's fasciitis spot uh, right now. Oh, you too? Oh my god. Can we talk about how plantar fasciitis is like the disease of your 30s? Like, where did it no, come from? No, it's here. Li- literally, so my mom is a nurse. Actually, both of our moms are nurses. How weird is that? Yeah. Um, truly some of the most unhinged people on the planet Earth are nurses. Absolutely. Um, But I was like, hey, I'm having this weird thing where like my feet are randomly numb. Um, when they're not in pain and that's how I know that they're not numb is because they're in pain and my mom's like uh, blah 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 oh you have um planner's fasciitis yep big old like, name and I was like oh cool so um will I ever be able to feel the bottoms of my feet again properly and she was like no probably not probably not I for any people that are runners out there I have found that one of the best things to help prevent my plantar fasciitis from getting super bad when I'm running is to alternate between two different pairs of running shoes that have different levels of support that way the same part of your foot's not getting traumatized over and over but again welcome to your 30s I'm I'm just like I'm just like let's let it run its course and eventually I'll I'll just have such numb feet that I'll just like become a professional firewalker yeah I mean honestly lean in it's called making (laughs) the best out of a bad situation so that like musculoskeletal thing though is like really good because you can use it uh internally and externally so it's for things like plantar fasciitis tendonitis arthritis and even back pain so there's this other herbalist, Jim McDonald, who has this story about waking up with like his back being really in pain. People that get back pain when the spasms get going, I know it's like real and can be debilitating. And he drank a mullen root tea and he basically was like, after one sip, I felt better. That might be a bit much to go that far. Uh, I love herbs, but mullen root tea, that's a good one too. If you have like back pain or you get arthritis or gout, You know, if you're someone who gets achy joints when the weather is changing or when the barometric pressure shifts, maybe like have some mullen on hand to have like a nice tea. I think especially if you're someone that gets like joint pain, mullen and nettles is like such a power duo because nettles are good for everything. You guys know I'm obsessed, but they're also really good for joint aches. So like a nettle mullen tea, I think would be just like chef's kiss. So good. The the other like nice thing about mullen is that harvesting is pretty straightforward. You're not going to have to like follow weird rules to figure out when it's best. Take healthy looking leaves basically anytime. If you want to dig up the roots, again, spring or the fall, the goodness falls down. You've got, you're going to want to get the roots up before it flowers too. And so that's like pretty common, right? Like you want to get the roots up when the plant's not busy above ground. Um, and the flowers themselves, you can like pinch them off fresh and then either dry them or just like use them fresh, pretty little leaves. I love the idea of using like dried mullen flowers and St. John's wort in an oil infusion for like a sunny, wonderful, like skin balm that you could use over the winter for like your achy joints, but then also for bringing in some of that solar energy for people that get the sads. Like how beautiful is that? It would be a bright yellow oil by the time the infusion's done. Hello, no trouble there. Oh. Um, 
as an aside, also, if you're camping, Mullen can be a really good toilet paper substitute, as long as you're not one of the people that's like irritated by the little hairs. Because if you're one of those people, please don't rub it on your genitals. <laughs> but if it doesn't bug you, it's like soft. It's like lamb's ear and Mullen campers. Hello. Those are soft. Lamb's ear is probably softer than toilet paper. I have like a lamb's ear plant. I just like also live in the 21st century and have toilet paper. Yeah, you just you, you have toilet paper? That's, that's <laughs> I know. Amazing. I'm sorry, not to humble brag, <laughs> but I do have toilet paper. Um, so let's like talk about magic though. Mullen is associated with the planet Saturn, the fire element, and the deity Jupiter. And I love this Saturn-Jupiter dichotomy, which we'll talk about in a minute. But historically, it's it's used generally for magic related to courage, protection, love, divination, health, and of course, exorcism. Because we all know how important a good old exorcism is, right? So you can use it in sleep sachets to help prevent nightmares. And you can put it in your shoe to like give you more courage, right? So there's this courage element. But I also talked earlier about putting it in your shoes for your feet pain. So personally, as a very femme woman who has a job interview tomorrow, I love the idea of putting some mullen leaves and like the toe of your high heels, number one, to help with like foot pain, but also to give you a little boost of courage. We love that one-two punch. Put mullen in your shoes when you're going on a job interview. It's also like really popular in India. So like in India, they'll hang mullen over doors and windows to banish demons and negative energies. Yes, we love. It's a great candidate for smoke cleansing wands as well. Remember, we talked about like smoking it for cannabis with cannabis. You can make really beautiful cleansing wands, especially with the full size mullen leaves that are like 12 inches long. Dry them out, bundle them with some twine. Ah, yes. You can also dip it in like tallow or beeswax and make a little mullen torch, which... I love all these like very survivalist things that you can do with mullen. I'm just like loving it. And like it's someone, someone was in the woods for too long and they were just like, what am I going to do with all this mullen? What am I going to do? Make a torch. And I love the idea of having like a light source that also banishes like negative energies because that feels important if you're in the woods alone at night. Um, it's also a common plant though that we see a lot in midsummer celebrations, right? It has these like bright yellow flowers. You can make flares with the flower spikes to represent sun gods. And in addition though, like I talked about this dichotomy, this Jupiter-Saturn thing, right? So Sarah Ann Lawless, who's like fantastic, you should read everything she has ever written. She also describes Mullen by saying, it belongs to the crossroads, to Saturn and to the underworld. It's Hecate's torch and Lucifer's staff. It is a key and a door. And so you can also get these like really Saturnian influences. So in this side of things, they say it can be used to like facilitate talking to the dead while also providing protection. Again, a really nice combo there. You can use it in incense that you're crafting for death magic, things to heighten your psychic powers, other like nighttime magics in general. Like if you're going to be doing magic outdoors at night, you're going to want to add a little extra protection, you know, add some mullen in there. But I do, I love this duality, right? Like it makes sense to me because there's that like Ju Jupiter-Saturn dichotomy and we see it in like traditional associations too. So I just love that this like bright sunny plant also has this like very dark underworld Saturnian side because I like to think that that's what Virgos are in the world because I saw this thing online that was like 
Virgos are what people think Scorpios are. And I was like, that feels very accurate. And you know what's so funny to me is every Scorpio I've ever met has problems with Virgos and it's because they're jealous. Yeah, they're just jealous of our goodness. Um, But also like, thanks Beyonce, Virgos really do rule because now we have an entire fucking bop about oh yeah oh yeah virgo groove yeah virgo groove we won the summer sorry leos anyway so that's where i'm gonna call it for today though so my sources were um herbarium grow your own herbal remedies by maria no groves cunningham's encyclopedia magical herbs starchild.co.uk and the fatfeministwitch.com ta-da incredina also i'm literally like every time i go to la i get the wheezy the wheezies from the smog so um you know we'll have to have we'll have to sit on the back porch and have a little a little mullen tea while I'm there. Mm, while we smoke a little mullen joint because it's little oh, out here y'all absolutely so i think now is an incredible time to reach out to our beautiful listeners to reach out and touch faith um anyway <laughs> guys guys listen, you like this podcast. We like making this podcast, but it does cost some money. So the best, most wonderful, thoughtful way you could support us is by joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash wands and fronds pod for the low, low cost of $5 a month. You get to see our beautiful faces. You get bonus episodes. You know, we're doing our best. We're keeping things groovy. Uh, We also take a lot of requests my solo episode next week because Nick's going to be traveling. I'm going to be focusing on a plant that was requested by a Patreon member and friend of the pod. But if you're like, Shannon, you were just talking about inflation. What the fuck? You want my money now? Okay, fine. I hear you. Listen to me. There are free ways you can also support us. Mm. Download the episode rate review subscribe go on itunes write about how beautiful we are write about our wonderful dulcet tones uh nick has come up with this great template this podcast is good that way when people google good podcasts about magic maybe we show up and if you leave that podcast review nick's gonna give you like a one card tarot reading such a good deal but again downloading rating go give us five stars come on This is literally Mario Party in real life. And I need stars. I need (laughs) stars. Jonesing for those stars. And then if you want to reach out to us, if you're like, okay, guys, look, I have some feedback. I want to tell you how great you are because we're really interested in positive feedback, affirmations, episode requests. If there's something that you're like, oh my God, Nick, what do you think about this magical topic? Please tell us everything. You can email us. It's wandsandfronspod at gmail.com. You can message us on Instagram at wandsandfronspod. Guys, all you have to remember is wandsandfronspod. Put it into Patreon. Put it into Facebook. Put it into Instagram. Put it into Gmail. You'll find us. You're welcome. The end. Wow. Well, you guys, this week, I have the absolute honor of talking about one of the true OG wizards of mythology and maybe history. Now, not an OG wizard in history, in a historical sense, because there's much older wizards. But the fact of the matter is, Merlin might have been a real guy. And that's incredible. So, uh, and I, again, this is a good place as any to mention, once again, 
that Shannon and I are both huge fantasy nerds. So you guys all should have seen this coming. Like two nerdy people with a witchcraft podcast. Yeah, we're doing a fucking episode about Merlin. Okay, deal with it. Fucking yeah, you sh- you. if you're surprised, have you been listening? Have you been listening? <laughs> now, me personally, I like the story of Merlin because it really is so bizarre that this tale, which eventually has morphed into this very like Christian British morality tale, not only did they keep the wizard, but he's one of the main characters, which is weird to me. Because I the mean, story of Christianity was a lot cooler with magic and wizards, to be fair. I'm like, you, you guys, fair. you got way less cool over time. Truly. But so Merlin as an archetype comes from a much larger grand tradition that stretches from King Solomon to Tsar Nicholas II. Yes, that is the one that got killed in the Russian Revolution um, and beyond. Now, what could I possibly mean by that? And what the fuck does Tsar Nicholas have to do with anything? Well, I'm, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. So you guys will remember from our demon episode that the good King Solomon was a bit of a magician himself and worked a lot with demons. Well, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Excellent question. I'd love to tell you. So King Solomon was seen as one of the best examples of uh, a good example of kingship in the Bible. And since the Bible was like the only game in town, you really can only have role models from the Bible. Okay, so here's the thing. King Solomon is a good example of kingship because he did so much for Israel, but he's also into the dark arts. And there's this long history of European kings wanting to model their reign on King Solomon, including his propensity for the so-called dark arts. See, for a normal person, messing around with these energies was seen as dangerous and satanic. But for a king, it's power, it's wisdom, it's true king shit. Yeah, I I do love that that's uh, that little bit of hypocrisy there where it's like rules for thee, but not for me. If the devil's going to help me make things better for you, why would you not want me to talk to him? Right. And so, of course, most of these kings were too chicken shit to dive into the world of the esoteric themselves, so we end up with the spiritual advisor. See also Rasputin in Tsar Nicholas II. So Rasputin is kind of what I would see as like a more modern take on this Merlin archetype. Um, And I just wanted to pop in here and say, if you are interested in learning about Rasputin and you like other podcasts, Last podcast on the left has an entire series on Rasputin. I think it's like five episodes. It's really good and very in-depth and intense. So enjoy that if that's something that piques your interest. Oh, yeah. So, and Ra- this Rasputin, that's a crazy story, which we, maybe we should do a Patreon episode. That'd be kind of cool. He self-identified as some kind of magician. Um but also a priest which brings me to another good kind of point here with this merlin archetype is why wouldn't they just use a priest or some other ranking person in their own christian religion as their spiritual advisor and the answer does seem pretty straightforward but christians don't actually give a shit about their religion as much as they care about forwarding their agenda so having magic 
on your side, not to mention the power of prophecy, really tends to help with the whole agenda side of things. Um, but enough about like the archetypal significance of Merlin, the character. What we really want is sort of the meat of the story. And I actually have a really nice quote that I heard on The Rest is History, speaking of other pods. Uh, they do have an episode about Merlin. And what, basically what he was saying was that Merlin is a confection rather than a straight up creation. And what does that mean? It means there's some shreds of evidence pointing to Merlin being a real guy, but that other tales and other aspects have been sprinkled in, creating this mythical figure. I mean, can I just say that I would really love someday for someone to refer to me as a confection? True, 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 true. <laughs> um, but let's dig in and try to find the root, shall we? So the earliest written record of Merlin comes to us in a jazzy little pamphlet by one Joffrey of Monmouth called The History of the Kings of Britain, um, which seems to be this very cut and dry account of all the kings so far. Uh, and this is written in the late 1000s. So it's sort of an academic text even, but who shows up in this seemingly normal and true history book but King Arthur and Merlin. Now, it is widely attributed that because Joffrey was from Wales, this proto-Merlin was largely based on Virgin, the wild, who was something of a bard and a famous poet in Wales. Now, this particular part of the Merlin story is interesting because it seems to be historically accurate and could be one of the historical Merlins. So Merdin was this bard who, under the intense pressures of war, an almost constant thing in pre-Roman Britain, for anyone who's not familiar with that aspect of uh, pre-Roman British life, just snaps one day and runs away to the woods. And the story goes that because of this stint of madness, he comes back with the power of prophecy and the wisdom of the forest. All of this after being healed by St. Mungo. So the St. Mungo story does lend some credibility to the Murden story because it's a completely separate story about a saint. Now we know that a lot of the miracles of saints are really overblown for, you know, um, entertainment reasons, so to speak. But Murden is in the story of St. Mungo which does lend some credibility to Murden being a historical figure. So he runs away to the woods, he goes fucking nuts, he gets healed, and he comes back and he can do prophecies, which is nice. But also to me, though, it does kind of sound like a gimmick that a bard would come up with to stay competitive in the very, very saturated Dark Ages bard economy. You know, you got to have something to stick out from the rest of the pack, right? So Merlin's like, yeah, I went to the woods and I went crazy and I was healed by a saint and now I can do prophecy. And great. Um, but that's real Merlin. And whatever that means, when we're talking about a thousand-year-old folktale, that's real Merlin. A bard. A poet. A famous guy who went crazy in the woods. I thought it might be interesting to take some highlights from mythical Merlin because that's really the interesting story. 
without focusing too much on the Arthur stuff. So I think most people who listen to this podcast are gonna be familiar with like the general story of King Arthur and Merlin, but some bullet points for people who have literally been living under a rock for 1000 years. Okay, welcome to planet Earth, first and foremost. I hope the sun is not burning your eyes too much, but basically Merlin, uh, 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 baby King Arthur takes him to the lake, uh, Lady of the Lake gives him a, a sword, and um, and he's like, oh, okay, um, I'm the king now, and uh, Merlin, do you want to be my spiritual advisor? And he does, and that's um, King Arthur. But we're not fucking talking about King Arthur. This is this is a segment about Merlin. So we're not, we don't want to talk too much about Arthur. So the legend has it that Merlin was born to be the Antichrist, and that really is part of the myth of Merlin. So this guy, Joffrey of Monmouth, did write some historical Merlin stuff uh, separately from his history of the English kings or history of the kings of Britain. And then that account was picked up by a French writer who wrote this really great poem that has been lost to the sands of time, but which is then um, later quoted in the chivalric romances about King Arthur, all of which to say it's partially based on this historical account of Merlin, but part partially from a chivalric romance. But the legend has well, it that- History is a tangled web. <laughs> history is absolutely a tangled web. But, um, but the legend has it that Merlin was born to be the Antichrist because he was conceived by an incubus, which is uh, the male version of a succubus. It's a, it's a male sex demon. So probably works for Asmodeus in some respect. Um, but yes, And probably so, actually made women come. So like, good for her. Good for her. Good for <laughs> her. So this incubus, this mortal woman we conceive the wee baby Merlin. And it's part of an infernal plot to unleash the Antichrist on Dark Ages Europe and bring about the end of days. Except for one little problem. Merlin's mom. See, she was a devout lady. Church every Sunday and all that. So even though she was warned by the Incubus not to have the child baptized, she goes ahead and does it anyway. And there's a very good reason why. Um, because it's a, Because Merlin could talk as a baby. And the priests are like, oh shit, a talking baby. That's right, a talking baby. So they do literally everything they can to save this soul. Obviously, it has been touched by dark magic. Again, it's a talking baby. And we're trying to avert the end of days. And because we're trying to avert the end of days, Yahweh himself gets involved. Ultimately, what we end up with is a safely baptized baby Merlin with extra powers from God. So now that God knows that Merlin's going to use his powers for good, or at the very least not become the Antichrist, God kind of gives him some extra powers and is like, okay, go off into the world, I guess. So what are Merlin's official powers? You know, if you were going to play Merlin in Street Fighter, what can he do? So other than being a talking baby, Merlin was known as an accomplished shapeshifter. Some have even gone so far as to claim that Merlin just shapeshifted into the Lady of the Lake because he was really the brains behind the whole 
King Arthur situation, kind of like a Dick Cheney, if you will. Like, he's really pulling all the strings. Yeah, I mean, another, like, nerdy sci-fi fantasy reference is um, anyone who's read the Dune series, Paul Atreides' little sister, Aaliyah, has a lot of Merlin influences in her story, with, like, her being an abomination because she's a really smart talking baby and toddler also can kind of like interpret the future and serves as a spiritual advisor. Like it's very Aaliyah, big and, she, and, and she's supposed to be training to be like the next mother superior or whatever, right? Um, k- Kind of. I mean, the Quitzak Hatterack kind of like throws all of that on its head, which we're not going to get into Dune politics. We're, yeah, we're not, yeah. not going to talk about Dune politics. <laughs> Absolutely not. But yeah, no, like very big energy because essentially, um, interestingly enough, Paul's mother, Jessica, imbibes the like, um, the poison drink that they make everyone like consume before they can become like the high, uh, a high priestess, kind of like the leaders in the Fremen. And she's pregnant when she consumes it, which you're not supposed to, which means that suddenly... Aaliyah, while in the womb, gets access to, like, the centuries and centuries of women and their knowledge. And big Merlin vibes it's, with it's, Aaliyah. It's, it, it is big Merlin vibes. It is big Merlin vibes. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do kind of like this, like, shape-shifting thing. Like, maybe Merlin was just the lady at the lake. And he was just, it, the whole thing was the setup, right? I'm also, like, I haven't looked, but there must be a lot of cool Merlin porn around that, surely. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm I like, mean, we're gonna have to dig into the fanfic boards because, I mean, all the Merlin stories. There's a I'm, there's there's good Loki fanfic out there, so I'm sure. Oh my god, could we get a Loki Merlin fanfic? Oh, I should. Two, shape, two shapeshifters? Hot. So hot. Anyway. That's like the, that's like the bisexual dream. Yeah, guys, it's Leo season. We're all horny. It's summertime. <laughs> so, but he also has this power for prophecy because depending on when he died, and the accounts do vary by quite a wide margin, it's said that he prophesied the whole reign of King Arthur, the quest for the Holy Grail, among many other happenings, which all turned out to be true in the stories. Um, but there's also, okay, speaking of Merlin's powers, there's this really batty side story about Merlin, which is that Stonehenge was originally in Ireland until Merlin levitated it over the sea. Because why not? Truly because why not? Um, but I also wanted to talk about these kind of alt-Merlins for a second, because again, they do think that Merlin was kind of an amalgamation of a couple of different historical figures, and uh, Morgan Le Fay factors into this because, and I thought this was so interesting, was that the characters of Morgan Le Fay and Merlin might have been based on a Saxon warrior queen and her brother. Yeah, and I think Morgan Le Fay is like also in the Mabinogian too, like because a lot of the King Arthur stuff comes from Welsh tradition with the mm-hmm. Mabinogian. And like, yeah, so I, I do love that. I think it's really fascinating how much like Morgan Le Fay and Merlin are intertwined in like lore. Because, because in the chivalric, the, in the chivalric um, 
literature of King Arthur, Morgan Le Fay is Arthur's half-sister, older half-sister, eventually becoming a student of Merlin. Yeah. And a, and a powerful witch in her own right. But in this version, again, so Morgan Le Fay is this, like, war- Saxon warrior queen. And then Merlin is her brother and spiritual advisor. So we still have this kind of like spiritual advisor role, but really no King Arthur in this version of the story. But what I did like about this particular version of the story was that um, instead of getting his heart broken by the Lady of the Lake and running away forever, which is what happens in some of the chivalric romances about Arthur. Which is so lame. Merlin just retires and moves to the woods to a house with 85 windows. And that's the amount of windows they say. It's a very specific number. It's 85 windows. So he can watch the stars. And that's how he retires, is he just makes star charts. Oh my god. The dream. How many times? If I've said it once, I've said it a million times. All I want to do is retire to a house in the woods. Nick and I are going to get a compound with like multiple Victorian houses in Northern California and we're going to live in a commune Mm -hmm. like Merlin. And we're going to make star charts. Oh, fuck yeah. Why not? I mean, if you're in the middle of the woods. If you're in the middle of the woods, you might as well make a star chart or two. But I don't buy into this Lady of the Lake thing. I mean, first of all, like if you're a powerful shape-shifting wizard, like why would it'd be so easy to get your heart broken. You could literally probably have fuck anyone. Um, but so there is this sort of like side story though, that the Lady of the Lake was Merlin's lover. There's also some talk about Morgan Le Fay being Merlin's lover. I would imagine everyone that he was interested in was probably his lover at some point. Right. I'm sure King who, Arthur, Lancelot. Who would not? Who would not fuck Merlin? Truly. Um, But yeah, I don't really buy into the heartbreak thing. One thing I did think was interesting about the heartbreak thing, though, was that um, because he gets broken up with by by Lady of the Lake, he runs off to a magical forest in France and uh, does just go under a rock to die, which now that's... That's that's dramatic. That's that's emo as fuck. Merlin. Yeah, like, like good God, Merlin! Come on, you're not in middle school. Turn <laughs> off the My Chemical Romance. Come back. We've got work to do. Um, I do love. I mean, and I know we're talking about some of the alt Merlins. I do love. And Nick and I are gonna have to watch this when he's here. The show from the BBC Merlin, which is so fun because they make Merlin and King Arthur very similar in age. So it's kind of like a buddy comedy as well as like a fantasy series and all of your faves pop in tom ellis is in a few episodes like you know because there are five actors in britain yeah there's they really they really need more actors in england (laughs) so uh i love that merlin because he's like a very mischievous kind of like fun but always has king arthur's back even though king arthur doesn't know he's magical in the show and I do love that version of it it's just so fun and it's like if you need a comforting fix but you're tired of white ladies watch some white dudes with Merlin (laughs) because I'm like Gilmore Girls was one of my comfort shows but honestly I think Merlin is a very comforting show too and I do like this idea of them being kind of more like partners 
Yeah. You know, like, I think that's, but I also like the thing of Merlin and like why I think Merlin is cool is sort of this idea that you have this like jock king. Yeah. Who's, I mean, obviously like, you know, at the time, if you were going to be a king, you had to be a warrior. So he's like this jock king who's really into God. Yeah, I imagine he, like, checks his abs out in the mirror a lot. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But then you have Merlin, who is this sort of dark, witchy, and he's really the one pulling the strings. He's the the goth mastermind. Like, he's the mastermind of all this shit. Like, Jock King Arthur, like, King Chad, if you will. (laughs) Yes! King Chad could would never have become this mythical figure without the support of Merlin. No. No. And like Merlin is not interested in being the king because he knows that the real power is in his spirituality. Like he doesn't need to be the king. He can levitate Stonehenge, okay? Yeah, he doesn't need to make like laws. No, like that's literally so boring. Why would you be a bureaucrat? Why would you be a bureaucrat if you're that powerful? That's the question. That's really the question. And he doesn't. He's like, yeah, Yeah. like I'm in the halls of power. Also, the round table was Merlin's idea. And he made that table. Like King Arthur had nothing to do with that. King Arthur had nothing to do with the round King table. Arthur had remarkably little to do with a lot in the King Arthur stories, if we're going to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, so part two, coming whenever. Yeah, at some point, I think we'll have to dive more in because it is hard for big topics like this to boil them down into a single episode because it's like we could do five episodes just on Merlin. And we've, and we've talked about the Morrigan and Merlin kind of popped his head in that segment too. And I really think Merlin, I think um, something that could be fun to do, even as like a Patreon episode, would just be to talk about all of the magic, the magical happenings in Arthurian legend. Yeah. Because there are a lot. But also, I did want to end with one of my favorite things from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, which is Eric Idle's, like, peasant character. <laughs> Basically being like, if some watery tart lunged a scimitar at me and I claimed to be the king, you'd cart me away to the loony bin. <laughs> and true that um and true that but i just some watery tart lunging a scimitar at you know just the the wording of that i i like to also i'm like man the pisces in me is like being a watery tart also sounds like goals but i do think it's funny speaking of like pop culture merlins though that one of the most popular recent things about King Arthur is Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which does not have a Merlin character. What the fuck is the deal with that? I would have loved like a John Cleese Merlin, you know? But, but I wonder if Merlin is too cool to be made funny. Perhaps, perhaps. I mean, honestly, what? probably not, but it's like, 
what I imagine happened was that everyone wanted to play Merlin, so they just cut the character completely. Yeah, they're like, this is going to break us apart. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to destroy Monty Python. Uh, Too much. Well, part two to come. So today, Nick, you'll be glad to know, you're not the only one that gets to deliver tough love and bad news to people. Oh, thank God. They, yeah, the listeners can hate you for once. <laughs> so Libra, I drew our Libra kitty cat card. Look at this little kitty cat holding scales. So for you, my Venusian babes, Eight of Swords. I've drawn the Eight of Swords. And so the Eight of Swords is telling me, y'all are in a prison of your own design, right? Like you have convinced yourself through negative thinking, you're negging yourself that you can't get out of it. Whether it's like a job you hate or a relationship that's making you miserable or just general self-doubt, like you're doing this to yourself. You have the power to fix your situation, but you got to remember that you have the power. You got to shift your thinking. Like I love that in all of the Eight of Swords cards I've seen, like they usually show someone blindfolded, but they're not otherwise imprisoned. (laughs) So it's like, you can walk out you're just like basically tricking yourself into thinking you can't um there there is a way out you've got a lot more agency than you give yourself credit for but you got to get out of your own way so it's a bit of a tough love card for you libras but like come on y'all are like powerful sexy bitches don't put yourself in the corner no one puts baby in the corner especially baby do better yeah baby stop putting yourself in the corner exactly that's the eight of eight of swords motto um and that's that's all she wrote well you guys um it's been lovely chatting this week and what do we say to all of those wizardy asthmatic bitches oh my god to all of you asthmatic wizards blessed be bitches blessed be bitches bye bye God, your like, your hair is looking so voluminous. Thank you. Uh, I brushed it. <laughs> incredible, incredible. No, you notes, know, no it's it's my secret. Um, <laughs> once in no, a the, while, the I other day, it. the other day, someone was like, "Hey, did you get a haircut? Your hair looks really good today." And I was like, "No, I combed it." <laughs> it's like, yeah, the secret is setting the bar low for yourself. <laughs> so when you do well, people are like. Oh my God. And it's like, I know normally I'm a trash goblin, (laughs) (laughs) but here we are. (laughs) Here we are.